Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Valley Church of the Nazarene. We are located at 228 Madison Avenue in Monte Vista, Colorado. I am Pastor Chris Yoakum, and I am so glad you have tuned in to listen to this message. I would also love to invite you to join us on Sunday morning for our small group discipleship classes starting at 9 a.m. for all ages, and our worship service starting at 10.15 a.m. We have many other activities and Bible studies throughout the week. Please visit our website at valleynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. Our prayer is that you encounter the God of the Bible and come to know the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ, that you be equipped to engage the world for Christ. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you. This week's podcast is a message entitled, Living in Babylon, the Need for Truth, from Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 28b. What a responsibility to be called to be truth-tellers in a world where truth is unpopular. May you be blessed as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Thanks for listening. of Daniel, I know I am. I do believe it's the authority of God's word. In the second year of his reign, his mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream. And I have firmly decided, if you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces, and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Saying that you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, "I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you." You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. 
he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Father, we thank you for your word. Be with us now. Preaching and the hearing of the word, Lord. And I pray that we would gain understanding and truth, we pray, and help us to have room in our hearts for your word. You may be seated. Well, what a story. What a great story. Such an amazing book. Such an amazing account. I've entitled this message, Living in Babylon, The Need for Truth. There's a story about a proud young man who came to Sodom. He walked up to the muscular philosopher and said, Oh, great Socrates, I come to you for knowledge. Socrates. He led the young man through the streets to the sea and chest deep into water. Then he asked, What do you want? Knowledge, O oh wise Socrates, said the young man with a smile. Socrates put his strong hands on the man's shoulders and pushed him under. Thirty seconds later, Socrates led him up. What do you want? He asked again, wisdom, the young man sputtered, oh great and wise Socrates. Socrates under again, 30 seconds passed, 35, 40, Socrates let him up. The man was gasping, what do you want, young man? Between heavy, heating breaths, the man wheezed, knowledge, oh wise and wonderful. Socrates jammed him under again, 40 seconds passed, 50, what do you want? Air, the young man screeched, I need air. When you want knowledge, as you have just wanted air, then you will have knowledge. Interesting story. Now, I would... I our, our culture is on a quest for knowledge. I said last Sunday that knowledge is expanding. And but I contend to you that what people really want they really want they really want truth. Now, now they may want truth that's going to make them feel good or truth that's going to make them advance or help them prosper. They may they may not have perspective when it comes to truth. Um, but I really I really do believe people don't want they don't want God is the, the author of the truth, or unless we submit all these things to God and, and ask Him and come to Him, I believe that uh, ultimately. But it's true. It's true. 
that we're not really going to until we really desperately want to. Until we finally get past wanting to feel good or be coddled or somebody to come along and tell us what we want to hear and make us feel good and uh, tell us the things that make us happy. Until we get past that, we probably aren't going to find truth. If you're wanting somebody to tell you what you want to hear, you will find no shortage of people to do that. The reason that's important is because this particular account right here that we've just read, we see that Nebuchadnezzar comes to a point where he wants the truth. He wants the truth. This is really a divine conspiracy. It really is a, a, a divine setup. God is the one who has raised up Nebuchadnezzar. God is the one who has sent Judah into exile, Daniel and his companions. God is the one who has done this. God is the one who has given great wisdom and ability to Daniel and his companions. And as we read in chapter 1 over in verse 17, Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gave him that ability. God is the one who gave Nebuchadnezzar this dream and gave it to him in such a way. God didn't have to do this. He could have simply told him. wanted to tell him, but God is the one who did this for his purposes. And we're going to see how Daniel handled this so that we can also, because let me tell you, folks, as, as times get difficult, you remember, you remember after uh, 9-11, you know, when everything was, I mean, on our world, remember how many, boy, churches were filled, right? People, people wanted to understand why. They wanted to, what's going on here? And folks, I the truth, and we've got to be ready. We've got to be the faithful ones like Daniel and his companions, ready to help people understand God is the one who's doing this. So it says that in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, some of you may, may wonder, um, there's two different perspectives here. Some, some scholars think that it actually happened uh, two years into Daniel and his companions' training, because their training was going to last three years. Um, but another view is that the, uh, the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign was really the third year, which is the inaugural year, was not counted in the reign. So it's very possible, and this is my particular uh, stance, that this actually happened right at the end of Daniel and his companions' training. I believe it makes more sense, but I'm not dogmatic on that. Anyways, God comes and he gives Nebuchadnezzar these, these dreams. And I believe it was the perfect timing to coincide with Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah coming in the king's counselors. What an amazing thing that God young men to of the world to be his counselors. And we're going to see how God superintended all of these things. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar had these dreams, and it says that his sleep was taken from him. Now, how many of you have ever had that happen to you where you've had this dream and you just w maybe you wake up in a cold sweat, or you just wake up and your mind is just you, you just you know feel like uh, something really 
really crazy has happened. That's crazy. He has this dream. His sleep is robbed from him. But the amazing thing is that the dreams were such that he knew than just a dream. And I know I've had, I've had dreams like that where it seems like, man, they had some kind of meaning. That's what's happening with Nebuchadnezzar. Now, it, it could be that um, they were some, but anyways, Nebuchadnezzar knows they're significant. He summons his wise men, the astrologers. And if you look at the, uh, the idea of what these, these crafts, magic, herbal incantations, and psychic practitioners. That's who he summoned after he had this dream. For these guys, actually talks about death in the mouth, which is probably necromancy, which is uh, speaking to the dead. Can I tell you that in our culture right now, in many cases, our world is looking for all of these various things as well. They're looking for answers. And just like Nebuchadnezzar, when he has a try to help him, our world is also looking for truth, looking for understanding in so many of the wrong places. I mean, call up the psychic hotline, right? Go look at your astrological sign in the paper. That's where Nebuchadnezzar is at this point. He's very troubled. He wants to know the truth. Something very different is going to happen here. Now, no doubt, before this, Nebuchadnezzar was probably just fine with these counselors. But something different has happened here. And, and, and we God is, is, is in this. The king wanted his wise men to tell him what the dream was. Now, some of your translations, mine says what the dream means, but the actual best wording there is uh, he wanted to know what it was. So he wanted, just, he wanted more than just the interpretation. He wanted them to explain to The king wanted the dream reconstructed and interpreted. And this is very different. When they hear this request from the king, it says that they spoke in Aramaic. Now, what they're trying to do is get on the king's good side here, right? They want to be able to somehow smooth this thing over or butter him up. They attempt to gain favor with the king by saying, Oh, king, live forever. We, we want you to, to live forever, but tell us the dream, okay? wanted them to, to, to tell him what the dream was, their knees were knocking, okay? They were going to try to get out of this because they knew they had a... But the king wanted the dream reconstructed and interpreted. Now, it's interesting that, that Daniel, point, chapter 2, verse 4, is in Hebrew. After chapter 2, verse 4, through chapter 7, it's all in Aramaic. And then after that, it's in Hebrew again. Now, we don't know exactly why that is. Various uh, answers have been posited, but um, some say it's dogmatic on that, but it is interesting. 
But I believe one of the things that the, the, the wise men wanted to do was try to get on the king's good side because he knew they were in trouble. They asked. So now the wise men are in deep, deep trouble with this. The wise men, they Oniromancy, I believe is how we pronounce that, Oniromancy. Um, that is the study of dreams in order to interpret the, the future or to tell the, the future. And say so they were skilled in this, this interpretation of dreams. And so what they would do is if you told them your dream, they would apply various techniques to try to figure out what uh, give you a meaning, an interpretation of your dream. And so when the king first comes to them with, with this, this dream, you know, at first it's no big deal. We, we love to do this. Yeah, give us various things. We'll, we'll give you an answer. But they needed the dream first. They needed the dream. So something very different is happening here. And so Nebuchadnezzar applies the pressure. Now, this is an amazing thing. Now, you have to think that at this point, Nebuchadnezzar is probably suspect when it comes to his wise men. He suspects maybe they don't always get The wise men are experts at politically correct answering, okay? And can I tell you today in our world, and truth, we become very good at politically correct answering. Oftentimes, we even have people coming and they, they definitely something that they want to hear, something that is more culturally sensitive. And that's how these wise men were. And if you read, even in the Old Testament with, with Judah and Israel, oftentimes that was the problem. The, the rulers then tell them what they wanted to hear rather than telling them the truth. And oftentimes the prophets who would come and tell them the truth, they would just hate them for it. Hear from God. They wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And again, perhaps before this incident, Nebuchadnezzar would name, be named among one of those rulers who liked to have yes-men around him, who liked to have people who would butter him up and tell him what he wanted to hear. But this time, something different has happened, and God has worked in such a way that Nebuchadnezzar is in a place where he wants the truth. Now, it's interesting, he, tells, he gives them this very harsh decree. If you can't do this, I'm going to cut you into pieces. Some, of the, some scholars say that what would actually happen there is large trees and tie them together at the top and then tie their uh, extremities to the trees and then un untie the, uh, or cut the rope, let the trees fall apart and so that the, their extremities would snap off. Others think that they were cut to pieces. But either way, not only was they're, they're facing death, but they're And so here's the situation, and, and you, we have to false wise men, but Daniel and his companions were in danger as well. God had set this whole thing up. And then what an amazing thing happens here in verse 10. 
The king sets up a situation where he says, listen, you guys had better tell me the truth. Message. And that's why the king's concerned that if I give you this, you guys are going to give me some phony baloney type of interpretation. I want the truth. And then in verse 10, even these wise men admit the human the insufficiency of human effort. No man on earth can do what the king asks. You see the setup, folks? God is doing such, something in such a way that Nebuchadnezzar is going to have to see that Isaac, all the other things that he trusts in are unsustainable. They admit, we can't do it. But they also admit their lack of connection with divine sources. They say only the, only the gods could possibly do this. They don't live among men. Folks, the reality is that these individuals had no great connection, and their gods that they did trust in were false. Do you guys remember the story of uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel? Elijah comes up, and there's this great contest between the God of Israel and the God of Baal. And you remember the gods of, of Baal were useless to be able to do even the most thing of, of burning up this, this sacrifice, even though they cut themselves and did all of these things, they could not. They could not contact their God to do anything. Their God was impotent because he didn't exist, and he certainly was not there to listen to them. And yet Elijah simply spoke to the God of heaven, and God responded. This is a lesson that Nebuchadnezzar So these wise men admit the utter, in, utter insufficiency of human effort. They admit their lack of king that they that he should not ask such a thing. In the final analysis, they're like, "Listen, we can't do it." But king, it's really your. You, how dare you even ask for such a thing? No king has ever asked such a thing of his wise men. It's not our fault. It's your fault, king. You have high expectations. You see, God had set this up, but the king was not going to hear it. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they are all lumped together with these. Their lives are at risk as well. At this point, they could take comfort in the fact that their God was Yahweh, their God would, would help. So let's look. It says here, that when Arioch, in verse 14, the commander of the, of the king's guard had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Wisdom and tact. That word tact there is very interesting. It can, it can carry with one particular, another word that's uh, combined with it can, can uh, uh, carry the idea of under the command of wine. But it also talks about good taste or being a, appropriate or commanding the situation. Um, it's amazing that Daniel in this particular situation, even though when he hears this, and it's, I mean, his life is at risk as well, and yet in that situation, he responds with wisdom and appropriate. He doesn't blame, he doesn't get angry, he doesn't say, well, how dare you come to, to take my life? He doesn't begin to do that. He has, God gives him wisdom and tact to deal with the situation. 
And folks, let me tell you, in our world today, when, we, when things are so chaotic, may God give us wisdom and tact. May we be able to speak to people in such a way that is, is wise and appropriate. May we, do, may we speak and act in such a way that is, that is redemptive. Daniel comes to this situation, instead of getting crazy or, or, or God is there with him to speak. Daniel goes into the king and asks for time. Now, isn't it amazing that Daniel doesn't go to the king and ask for mercy? You would think that in this particular, particular case, Daniel would go and let's say, well, let's go throw ourselves at the mercy of the king, see if he'll ha- have mercy on us, but he doesn't. They come to the king and ask for time. Folks, that is a, that is a step of faith because they believe God is able. So they go to ask the king for time. And Daniel goes to his companions and calls for You know, one of the most ironic is justice. Justice this and justice that. Folks, we need to be praying for God's mercy. We need to be praying that God will come and, and, and bring things that are, that are right. But folks, there are so many that, are, that don't have some blame. We need God to come and be merciful to us. Daniel could have easily said, listen, we don't deserve this. He could have just went and said, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar? Your wise men are creeps, but we're really good. Save us. He doesn't. He calls to his companions and says, let's go and plead for mercy from the Lord. And you're going to see this throughout Daniel. They, don't, they know that if they, they are guilty as well out because they are guilty. They plead for mercy. So now we see at the end, we close here. I've got, I labeled this the macro revelation. I believe in Daniel there's two different levels of revelation here. We've got the macro or the overall revelation, then we've got the micro revelation, which is um, dealing with lesser things. God is going to speak to Daniel about his particular situation and the nation of Israel and, and all of these things. But the bigger picture here is the most important picture, the big picture revelation. Daniel prays to God. And I've said that in Daniel, one of the most important reasons why that we study Daniel is to get perspective. We don't know exactly how things are going to come, come together, but what we need to do is have God's perspective on things, and we can make it through no matter what comes. And so the first thing we see here is the macro revelation. So sometime in the night, as Daniel and his companions are praying, God gives them this revelation. And we're not going to get into... First of all, wisdom and power belong to God. Wisdom and power belong to God. God is the giver of... discerning, meaning that those who are wise and those who are discerning, ultimately that comes God is the source of all wisdom and discernment. And we need to understand that. Again, the reason that we 
the reason that we can um, go forward in, in full trust and faith is because we know that ultimately God is the one who answers questions. He is the one who gives wisdom. And we need to make sure that we are praying that the Lord will direct us as well. That in the midst of our, our nation where there's so much wisdom and so many different things going on, that God will direct our thinking. He is the very one who, for whom wisdom and power belong. And, that, and that's such a great thing for us to, to remember. We know that sometimes the powers that be seem overwhelming, but remember Everything else, every all wisdom and power is derived from God. He's in and what He takes away. He determines when things begin, and He determines when things end. Folks, that's our God. Not only do wisdom and power belong to Him, but He's the one who determines what what happens, the beginning and end of all things. And really, that's what Daniel is going to tell Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, the end of our lives, he's the one who be- determines the beginning and end of our nation, of this life and all of reality. God is the one who does that. God sets up and he de- deposes kings. Folks, that's so important for us. We've got an election year this year. Ultimately, God casts the deciding vote. Remember that. We all have a role to play in government, but no matter who's in the White House, God is on the throne. Remember that. Things, and it's because He's the one that determines what happens. God reveals. He sovereignly acts in our world and in our universe. Listen to this. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. Even darkness has no power because God has Hebrew word for dwells, and some of your translations may have a different word. It actually means to loosen or solve. It also means to be loose or shaking, as in legs giving way. What Daniel is saying there is when it comes to darkness, God is the very essence of light. There is no mystery that is hidden from him. He comes in, when he comes in, all darkness is dispelled. He is the very one. Darkness cannot stand before him. So therefore, he is able to reveal all things. Folks, that's good news. Sometimes darkness is, is overwhelming our lives and our nation. And folks, sometimes God does pull back his hand and allow things to, to happen. But our God ultimately is in control. And if we will pray and seek him, he is able to bring light to darkness. He is able to bring a solution to any problem. That's what Daniel is saying here. My God is able to do this. And finally, Daniel's praise. He says, I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. What Daniel is saying there, as as God has been faithful in the past, he remains faithful to deliver Daniel and his companions. Daniel understands that the reason that he knows that God is able to save him is because he knows that God has saved the nation in the past. And folks, that is so important for us to understand as well. Our God has been and always faithful and able to deliver.
Daniel was going to be, be promoted to a very high place, but here in this particular praise, Daniel acknowledged the Lord as the source of his wisdom and power. Folks, this is the reason why Daniel was a, God was able to use Daniel in such an amazing way because Daniel always acknowledged God. No matter how, how high he rose, he always acknowledged it was God who has done this. Folks, the same is true for us. We must acknowledge God. It is by his mercy that we have this ministry. It is by God's mercy that we remain. And our God answers prayer. Our God answers prayer. Daniel and his companions, very difficult situation. And folks, let me tell you, not just Daniel and his companions, but all of the wise men are saved because of Daniel and his companions' faithfulness. Folks, may that be true of us. We are here in this nation. We are here at this time for such a time as this. Just like Daniel and his companions, we are here for a reason. We are here to serve Almighty God. Daniel knows that the best way to serve Nebuchadnezzar is to serve Yahweh faithfully. Same is true for us. God is able to deliver us. God wants to speak through us. God wants to help us to give perspective to our world, to a world that's too often in darkness and too often wallowing in, in lies and half-truths. God wants us to be a source of light 